Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this morning. We pray, Jesus, that you would breathe afresh upon us this morning with your Holy Spirit. And you would empower us and equip us to live the Christian life well for you uh, in such a time as this. We ask this in your name. Amen. So here we are on the evening of that resurrection morning, that first day of the week, and we find the disciples in fear of the Jews. They're fearful of the reaction and the response of the public and of society. And as I was reading that, I was thinking of things that are going on in our world, things that are going on in our country, particularly some of this very anti-Christian legislation with Bill C-6 and C-7, which celebrates sin and euthanasia and a bunch of other things. And it can be very difficult to navigate a proper sort of Christian response to the decisions of our government and the 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 culture and our society and it can be easy to respond either with a sort of outrage or anger and violence or to respond with fear or anxiety and worry with what's happening around us or what's happening within us in our own lives and it seems that neither response is actually the proper gospel response whether we feel a sense of anger towards just what's going on. Maybe it's not in government, but maybe it's just the ongoing restrictions with the pandemic, or it could be something else entirely. We can just get angry about anything in life, really. Or worry. We can get worried about all sorts of things, and some of us, we uh, catastrophize. You know, we imagine the worst-case scenarios, right? And that's, pretty soon, that's exactly what's happening. The worst thing we could possibly imagine is what's happening, and off we go. While we can feel either the anger or the worry swell within us, I'm comforted that even Jesus' closest disciples who were with him for three years in person have a very similar response to what I can often feel, which is just a sense of fear. What on earth is happening, and how am I supposed to be responding to that? They're fearful of the Jews. They're fearful of what the society and the powers that be will do to them. Will there be persecution? Will they come for them? We have little true knowledge of that, but lots of our brothers and sisters around the world have a real knowledge of that feeling. And so what do they do? Well, they actually don't do a whole lot of anything. They've just locked the doors and have sat there. But it makes me wonder, well, what do I do with my anger or my fear or my worry, whatever the cause of it, when I'm feeling that way? And what do the Psalms tell us about our anxieties or our angers? We're encouraged through the Psalms to bring those to the Lord. We had a ministerial meeting this week, and uh, I was was on to do the devotional. And so I had read a portion of a Psalm, and in that Psalm, the the author, I think it's Psalm of David, doesn't really matter exactly, but the author is just pouring out his heart of how kind of frustrated and angry he is at the people around him. And I'm reminded that the Psalms give us permission to bring our our worries or our frustrations or our anger to God. They're actually safe with God. He's strong enough and wise enough and good enough to handle my messed up emotions. In fact, that's the best place to bring them so I can, I can kind of voice those fully before God instead of lashing out at someone else around me and hurting them, right? God can take it. Rather than pouring that out on 
a loved one or even on the enemy, I can bring that to the Lord. I can allow him to deal with that, allow him to reassure me of his goodness and of his life. And I've so appreciated even this morning uh, the reassurance that Christ is central in our lives. Even when we go through, a, you know, we can spend an hour on a Sunday reorienting ourselves because we need to as we go through the rest of the week. It's easy to get disoriented. So here's the disciples in their fear, paralyzed in the mission. They're not able to really do a whole lot. They can't move forward until they have an experience of the risen Jesus in their lives. They can't do a thing until God shows up in their lives. They don't know what to do. And I think some of us need a fresh experience of God in our lives. We may give mental assent to say we believe in God, or we may even come and worship, and we've known Jesus for a number of years, but until we have a sort of lived experience of the presence of God in our lives, we can still sit on our hands in a sort of fearfulness, in a sort of paralysis, not knowing what to do, feeling stuck or feeling unsure of how to live. And on our own, our fear or our anger, it'll wreak havoc on us. But when we encounter Jesus, it makes all the difference. His presence makes a difference. And what's the first thing Jesus says to them in their fear is peace. Peace be with you. I mean, that may partly be because, you know, they're kind of freaked out that he just showed up, of course. But that's what they need to hear. In their fear, we're told. That's where they're at. And Jesus speaks peace to them. And I think for a lot of us today, whether you've got uh, a range of emotions going on in your heart or we're just sort of navigating day-to-day life and wondering what exactly is open and what section of the grocery store got roped off, you know, (laughs) in the middle of all of that, I need to be reminded that Jesus has stepped into my life and speaks peace. Now, peace in our language, of course, we can think of sort of contentment or the opposite of, opposite of war. But if, if you've been around the Bible or church for any amount of time, you're used to this other word we use for peace called shalom, right? This Hebrew word or idea for peace. And shalom carries with it not just sort of the absence of conflict, but also this idea of like flourishing and thriving, So it's not just like things are kind of quelled and sort of, you know, I'm at peace. (laughs) It's like things are actually functioning healthily and properly and things are like fitting together well and things are flourishing. Like it's actually quite active, whereas sometimes we think of peace as kind of a passive thing. So shalom is actually like things are working in harmony and, and in like in sync with who God is and his plan for us. That's sort of this idea of shalom. And so I like that Jesus does not just sort of wish calmness on them, though, you know, that's part of it. But he's wishing for them to actually thrive and to grow and to be in harmony with him and in harmony with one another as well. And even as he brings his peace And they realize who it is. In verse 21, Jesus says it again, right? Peace be with you. My shalom be with you. And I need to be reminded 
that God's heart is so good that he actually he longs to see us thriving in in the areas of of in in areas of life that are that are often difficult there's a call to a, a shalom to rest in the peace of Christ even if the world around me seems to be falling apart right and so it's not negating what's actually happening i'm not being dishonest about issues in my life but i'm recognizing jesus speaks shalom into those places in my heart even if i feel restless about it he he is present and able to carry me through those moments carry me through the grief carry me through the difficulty and then this crucial kind of turn is made in verse 21 this is like john's version of the great commission so just as jesus is sent by the father now we find jesus sends the disciples and he doesn't send them because they're especially like skilled you know like because they're actually really great in any way he doesn't send them because they're somehow you know super powered or like even really influential those aren't the qualifications for why they get sent he sends them in the power and the presence of the holy spirit it's the peace of christ and the presence of the spirit that actually qualifies them and equips them to be sent as jesus disciples isn't that cool because you know what, what's cool about that is like you and i can be included in that since jesus speaks his peace over me and also breathes his spirit upon us and therefore we can be sent as well he says receive the spirit and of course it's a in verse 22 it's almost like a foretaste of what's going to happen at the at the day of pentecost in acts 2 but it's also a reminder that the spirit's been at work in their lives you know all along and so you've got the father who sent the son and now the son uh, is sending the spirit receive the spirit and so you've got the father the son and the spirit are all at work in equipping the church and in sending the church commissioning the church in her mission into the world which is like really cool but it's interesting i think sometimes we we stop at the receive the spirit part and receive the peace part like sometimes we think of church as like or not just the church but sort of our faith as sort of i just want to be i just want it to be like this therapeutic thing where i feel better you know so like that's so great jesus that you want to give me peace how wonderful now i feel happy and i'm good but that's not where jesus stops like he wants to help us to feel better to be equipped for dealing with the stresses of life and he does indeed speak his peace into those places but we're given the peace of christ so we can be sent out with the peace of christ and so we are formed and shaped by christ so that we can be sent on mission to bring that to others and so you can see how sometimes we just sort of stop at that first bit right like jesus saved me and i'm good thank you but Jesus wants to send you out with the knowledge and with his grace to speak that and to live that out in his world and, and point others to him. And so what starts as sort of a formational thing becomes a missional thing. And we can't forget that Jesus is sending us. We're given the peace of Christ so we can then extend the peace of Christ to the world around us. We can't just keep the gift to ourselves, so to speak, right? It's meant to be shared. We're like Jesus, meant to speak his peace to a broken world. We're called to be shalom-bringing people. That's our call, folks. That's our task, to be shalom-bringing people. Where are you called to bring shalom? Might be a good question to ponder this week. John Stackhouse, he was a, a, he's a professor and an author. I think he's in New Brunswick now. 
he talks a lot about maximizing shalom. And so rather than, than the idea of we just need to sort of take over the world with sort of this triumphalism, you know, sort of the Christian nationalism, or, or rather than um, you may have heard in sort of some charismatic circles, you get sort of the seven summits teaching, like we need to sort of take over these seven areas of like public life, and then somehow we will, Christianity will like rule the world or something. You know, it's kind of bizarre. Um, rather than, than saying we need to take over the culture, that's one response. Um, and rather than saying everything about culture is absolutely evil and so we're just going to circle the wagons and like create a little counter community over here and we're never going to deal with any of the big bad world, we need a third option. And the third option is to enter into the culture as transformed people in all its complexities and in all its issues with the call to love God and to love our neighbors and actually truly seek the shalom of the places where Jesus has planted us. And so rather than saying, you know, my hope is in somehow seeing Christianity imposed on everyone, because that's not really healthy, we can propose things and call people to Jesus, but we can't just shove the gospel down people's throats. So rather than that being our hope, and rather than saying, well, it's all just so terrible, I might as well just ignore all of it, and I'm going to go be a hermit somewhere. This is more my tendency. I'll go be a hermit. You know, I'll just take my family and get a horse and a dog and live on an island somewhere. You know, that sounds really great to me. I probably couldn't do it very well. You know, so rather than, like, we're going to take over everything, and rather than saying, I'm done with it all, Jesus says, no, 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 no. You need to actually engage well with the world. I'm actually going to send you out into the world to be an agent of transformation within it, to be like good yeast in it, to actually be salt in it, right? To actually be light in it. He doesn't say, you know, we're just going to blind everyone or with light or we're just going to go shine our light over here so no one sees it. No, he says, go out into it. And so rather than Denying the culture, we're called to transform it from within. And that's what it means to bring shalom. Just as he has given us his peace, we're called to now live out and be sent with his peace to live it out to those that have none. And so what does it mean for you to seek shalom in your household? What does it mean for you to seek shalom Uh, If you have children, as you are wrangling children or grandchildren or as they complain about a supper that you spent all day cooking and now no one wants to eat it, you know? How does it look to cultivate shalom if you're married with your spouse? Maybe you're not married. Maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you're caring for someone or you still have a job maybe or you're going to school. Well, how does it look for you to cultivate shalom in those places of your life? In your workplace, as you deal with coworkers who are frustrating, or that boss who drives you crazy, you know, or you're caring daily for that loved one and it just is a draining thing. It seems like there's just, we just keep doing this. How do you cultivate shalom and seek the flourishing of others in your life? What does that mean? What does that mean for us as a church during this time? How do we? cultivate shalom where we're not just at peace with one another but we're actually trying to flourish and thrive especially during a time like this right how do we do that well is that just all the pastor's job well it's not thank the lord you know 
but is that something we can all do together to seek shalom as a people, to model that well? All right, what does it mean to seek shalom for us and creation? Do we treat creation as though it has no value, or do we see it as God's, right? The earth is the Lord's after all, he says, right? What does it mean to seek shalom in my finances or in my mental health, in my own creativity, and so on and on and on? The church is called to be that shalom-bringing people, and we only do so not because we're super fancy and we think we've, you know, got ourselves all figured out, but because we're equipped with the peace of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we may not always live it out well, right? Like, I may mess that up lots. I may actually not cultivate shalom very well sometimes. And that's where God's grace is just a really beautiful thing. And even as a church, we may not always figure that out well. But that's okay. Like, just because sometimes you do something wrong doesn't mean it's not worth trying again to do right. Sometimes we can think... This has happened when I sometimes counsel pre-marriage couples and, you know, say both of their parents have been divorced and so marriage itself just feels like it's not uh, like a thing that's worth doing. But just because you've seen something done poorly doesn't mean there's, there isn't inherent value still in trying to pursue it well, right? And so sometimes that's about what you've experienced in your own life. And so even as a church uh, and as individuals, maybe you're like, I've been terrible at cultivating shalom in my life. <laughs> like, I'm just a mess at that. Well, that doesn't mean you shouldn't stop. You shouldn't, shouldn't start trying, right? To actually be, to make shalom sort of the hallmark of your home or of your workplace. And so as we head again into this lockdown, whatever season of life you might be in, I want us to ask ourselves and ask the Lord today, you know, Jesus, would you fill me fresh with your peace? Jesus, would you speak peace into my life, would you guide me, Lord, to bring your shalom into the places that you send me? So would you stand with me? And I think we'll just we'll end with prayer on that note. And let's ask the Lord to show us the places where he calls us to cultivate shalom and, and actually give us strategies of how to do that well. It's one thing to say, well, that's great. I got to go speak love and peace to people. But how do I actually do that, right? So let's ask him to reveal that to us. As we seek to live for him. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for those that are here today. We just pray your blessing upon each one. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of the fear of your disciples, you show up and speak peace. Lord, today we are your disciples. And sometimes it feels like it's easier to lock ourselves away in fear. But God, you call us uh, out of the locked place to speak your peace and your grace to a broken world. Lord, I thank you that you've transformed our hearts and lives. You've pulled us out of darkness and into light. And Lord, I just thank you for the reminder this morning that whatever's going on in our hearts and in our lives today, you come in and speak peace to us. And then you don't just leave us there, Lord you also fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit and send us out. So God, today I just pray that each one who's here and those that are listening online, Lord, I just pray right now that we would feel and know a sense of your peace and your presence today. 
Lord, help us to lay down our fears, lay down our worries, lay down our anger. Help us to know and experience and invite your peace. Lord, I pray for, for grace when we, uh, when we just don't feel at peace. We wouldn't feel guilty about that. We'd also recognize our emotions aren't everything. Lord, I pray that you would set things to right in our hearts. Help us to grow in that, Lord. We're not looking for just an instantaneous thing, but as we seek to be in step with you, that your peace would slowly fill us up. We would know that you've got us and you're good. And Jesus, I pray that you wouldn't just leave us there, but that you would also pour out your spirit upon us. Lord, I pray that you would equip us well to live for you in such a time as this. Lord, that as we go with your peace and with your presence, you would help us to bring your shalom to the world around us. And Lord, I pray that that you'd help us to do that just naturally, that it would just show up in our conversations with people, that you would you would give us the words to speak peace into their hearts and lives. That when there's a choice of how we might respond to a situation, Lord, you'd help us to choose uh, the way of shalom, the way that will lead to flourishing in life. Sometimes that means confronting something that's evil. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, help us be wise and discerning, Help us to love people, even in their brokenness, because you've loved us in our brokenness. You know what it's like. So, Jesus, I thank you for this morning. Would you encourage your people here today? Bless them as they go. In your name. Amen. Well, friends, before you go, would you receive this benediction? Children of God who are loved and forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. May you know the peace of God today. May you know the presence of his Holy Spirit in your lives. And may he send you out now into this week as a people who bring shalom into a broken world and point people to him. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. Love you. If you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. And uh, don't be a stranger. We'll be in touch and see you next week.